Hello and welcome to Chasing Gilla Rouge. You will notice Big T is not here today. He's off doing big tiger business. I'm not really sure what that is. Probably crying into his... What was it, the Tony the Tiger vlog? Did he have those ads there with the big tiger on the ads? He's crying into his tiger-endorsed cereal um, after the annual M beat. But American Stuffedopolis is here. The lady who leaves has been leaving. Much leaguing has gone on. How are you? I'm well, Mike. How are you going? I'm good. I have been drafted in at the best possible time because I went to my first ever NRLW game on uh, Saturday. I was at the Roosters against the Knights. And do you want a heartwarming story? How did you enjoy it, Mike? I loved it. I got a little bit sunburned in the first half. (laughs) I was working the Roosters game, Roosters Knights men's game afterwards, so I thought brilliant opportunity to go down as a punter beforehand and just soak in the atmosphere. And I decided to sit on the halfway line. You can actually see me on the footage. There's only two books in <laughs> a particular section, and I was one of them. And yeah, I was. Uh, I got a little bit sunburned, but um, so I had to go much second half in the press box because it was under the shade. But yeah, it was really good. Um, that was the first women's game I've been to since the, I think, the 2019 Women's Grand Final, in which was, I think, Oregon against Leeds, which is a very good game. Um, so, yeah, good to get back on the horse because there hasn't been any games there since I've been in Australia. We've had, um, obviously, last year was cancelled. There was Wimstead Origins on the Sunshine Coast. So I couldn't go. And I'm very happy that the first opportunity of a game in Sydney, I was there. And you went to your beloved Eels. I did certainly go to my beloved Eels, Mike. It was a pretty special day because for the first time ever, the men and the women shared the same stage at Combank Stadium. I was absolutely beside myself, but I know we'll get on to that when we get to the game between the Eels and the Titans. We will, we will. Now, as I am in the host's chair, I will be bringing up some, I'm not going to say complaints, some errata from last week. (laughs) I listened to Jason Gillaroos. I am just a punter like everybody else. And there was sort of two points that I would like to come back to. Mm-hmm. Point one, you suggested that uh, Brittany Braley, that's her name, the married couples who one has converted the other one's try. Mm-hmm. I am a nerd and a pedant, and I went and looked this up. Now, I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm saying that COVID has robbed us because... Prior to the 2020 season, Emily Rudge of St. Helens in England, she was meant to be joined at St. Helens by her wife, Gemma Walsh, uh, once of Wigan and of England. And I would say they have played together for England in a game against France about 10 years ago, but Emma Walsh didn't kick goals. She does kick goals, but she didn't on that occasion. And then because of COVID, she never played St. Helens. And therefore... I think you might be right, but there you go. Maybe it's not a complaint. Maybe it's just a piece of needless trivia. I would say, Mike, that I'm glad that you've brought that needless trivia because I love to hear about what's happening in the UK with the women's game. And as we spoke about last week, we love love on this show and it's wonderful to see so many pairings playing for the same teams and just demonstrating that it can be done really easily and in harmony. Yeah, and do you know what? I actually worked out that in the same game, Jodie Cunningham played, who is Emily Rudge's best friend since they were kids. And they have gone and played for St. Helens in England together. My other point, which is true, and you did miss out, because you mentioned that um, 
Nat Siver and uh, Catherine Brunt mm-hmm. of the England women's cricket team are married to each other. And I cannot believe you didn't mention that Lauren Winfield Hill of the same England cricket team is married to Courtney Hill, once of the Brisbane Heat and the women's BBL, but now Leeds Rhinos star and uh, once Woman of Steel, that's the English version of the Dalian, and I they're married. Ser- I certainly missed an opportunity there, Mike. And for Australian rugby league fans, you'll be familiar with Courtney Hill. She played for the Sydney Roosters in the NRL Nines a couple of years ago. And is a super talent. And I actually got to meet her at the ICC T20 Women's World Cup final in Melbourne, where she was, of course, cheering on her wife. Yeah, there you go. Well, you see, I can't, as a pedant, I can't let these things fly. Um, you know, and unfortunately for you, Big T has decided to hand the range up to me, so you have to wear it. Um, but there has been, beyond the NRLW, there has been some big news this week. Women's Origin, we have a location, and it is... Canberra, which is uh, exciting because it's the first time that it will be played on neutral territory since it was rebranded as State of Origin. So get your diaries out, put June 24, 2022 in Canberra, and uh, I really look forward to seeing all of you there. I, you know, I have to say on a very selfish level, my first experience really of watching NRLW or pre-NRLW was the North Sydney Oval Games. And I loved North Sydney Oval, even for years prior to, you know, because of the Bears and stuff like that. And I was like, I'd love to go there, especially the game that was almost, it was pretty much sold out there. And I thought, and they haven't played a single game there since I've um, started in Australia. So I've still, I've been to a Bears game, but I've not been to the, I thought Women's Origin, North Sydney Oval, brilliant. There was meant to be the Women's um, Ashes was meant to be there and he got moved. So, Uh, I think... I think, Mike, you'll get some cricket there. My big prediction is that we won't see a women's state of origin at North Sydney Oval again for the simple reason that I actually think we've outgrown that venue, which is awesome, um, but very sad for the people that didn't get to experience that North Sydney Oval experience because it was mint. Yeah, it was great. It looks looks so good on TV and, yeah, I mean, it's good that it's outgrown, I suppose. But I, I like your use of mint as well. That is, I feel like that wouldn't happen if Big T was here. I did it for you. <laughs> I did it for you. But, Mike, before we get on to the games, can I just raise one other point of general business? Um, this might be more relevant to the Dragons, actually, but I heard a little bit of a whisper that Samantha Bremner is returning to the paddock this month. Uh, she's coming back after the birth of her second child, and she's hoping to play in the Harvey Norman Women's Premiership, maybe State of Origin but certainly for the second edition of the NRLW that we'll get in 2022. So that's really exciting. You know, I, I keep forgetting that there is another one of these to come and I'm like super excited because I, I read something about the AFLW. I mean, you know more about this than me, about the AFLW switching to August. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, we get that as well. We just get two. And that's going to exactly. be... Exactly, we don't have to switch at all, right? Yeah, and that's going to be co terminus as other words, I'm contemporary with the Super League wins, which is... Obviously, we'll move on to that a, a uh, foreshadowing for later. Um, I'm going to hit you with some British Rugby League, British Women's Rugby League action. But we should start, as I started my weekend, actually I started my weekend at Penrith, but I shall start with my with the NRLW on Saturday lunchtime, which was the Roosters be the Knights at the SCG. And you've got a hand up, go on. No, you can finish that, Mike. I just wanted to jump in with a point before we talk about the footy. So finish your thought and then I'll jump in. No, 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 no. I've got footy thoughts. So you, you, you go quick. 
So the Roosters won their first game in the NRLW for this season, 28 points to 12. But, Mike, before we get your observations on the game, I'm just really curious as to why this game wasn't on Channel 9. I was having a lot of trouble with my KO on Saturday and thought I'll just tune into Channel 9. The game was nowhere to be found, and my understanding was that Channel 9 was going to be broadcasting all of the NRLW games. So I'm not really sure what happened there. I have no idea as I was at the game. <laughs> so that's obviously the way that you can get around this problem. But yeah, no, I don't know actually. I think, as I understand it, I thought, I think it was because they had the later game, the, the men's game was on KO. Mm. So I'm not sure how it works when one game's on KO. Because all the ones previously have run into the, the nine game on the Sunday, right? Or they'd been standalone, all three games on one, on one channel. Um, as happened yesterday, the NRLW ran straight into the men's game, which was also on nine. So I'm sure there's some technical problem there that's a lot more complicated than I understand. But yeah, I have no idea. And um, I'm annoyed that other people didn't get to watch it because it was a really good game. What were your observations, Mike? Tell us. So I know you like a heartwarming tale. The most heartwarming tale was that as I got off the uh, light rail, uh, there was a family coming. I generally thought I was going to take a picture and send it specifically send it to you, but there was a woman with a like a little girl, and she had a big sign that said Kira Dib on it, supporting the. Obviously, come down from Newcastle, supporting the Newcastle Five Eight. And I thought, you know what, girls like that, when you were that age, you would have had nothing to look up to, and now that they've got actual role models to look up to. And there was a very confusing moment in which sort of this relic of old. I don't think it was even NRL, but like Winfield Cup, like dancing girls led on the women. And then I was like, this is such a strange juxtaposition of the sort of slightly, I don't know, I don't know what your views on cheerleaders are, time and a place for me. But like, it's quite an old school thing that was seen as very sort of new in the 90s. And then obviously the NRW is a very new thing now. And I was like, this is a strange sort of moment. I don't really know what I think about it. Um, but yeah. As for the footy, uh, it was really good. The standard, compared to, bear in mind, all the women's footy I've ever seen in person before has been in the UK. Um, you know, watching the Women's Super League or Great Britain, English England women's games, going back to the 90s. Um, yeah, the standard is so high. Like seeing Isabel Kelly, who I, I've loved for years from afar as a player, I feel like she put on her best performance of the comp specifically because she was on my side of the field whilst the first game I was there. So I think she really exploded into the competition and, and showed exactly what she can do. I think it also helped that there was a dry track, which we didn't get, obviously, last week in, in Wollongong. Um, yeah, well, how did you look up TV? Because obviously when you're at the game, it's all kind of happening. And also I was sat on the side, which I don't really like. You don't really get the same angle. So, yeah, I'm interested to know what you think. I know the SCG just kind of a shit place to watch for you as well because it's so far away, so... Go hit me with what was on TV if you finally got it. So a couple of thoughts. You've already touched on Isabel Kelly. She was really immense in this game. She uh, ran for 151 metres. That was with 47 post-contact metres. Scored a try, had two try assists and two offloads. The other player that I wanted to shout out to for the Roosters, though, was Corbin Baxter, who made her return after two weeks being out with COVID and Mike, I don't think it's a coincidence. The Roosters just seem to look a lot better with Corbin. They seemed more jointed. They seemed, their attack seemed to flow better. Uh, so just a big shout out to Corbin Baxter. 
And I thought Bridie Parker looked really comfortable on the wing for the Roosters as well. Yeah, I, you know, I, 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 my thought at the time was that because Colin Baxter was playing, it meant that Isabel Kelly and Jess Sodis didn't have to do everything. Because mm. the first two games, like, give the ball to Jess, she'll do something amazing. If she doesn't do it, give it to Isabel. And now because Colin Baxter was making that link, as you say, I feel like they, you know, they took a lot of weight off it, off what their, the expectations were. I think as well, um, yeah, Bridie Parker was, a, was, you know, the way that she was carrying the football as well was really good and the way that she took her tries, obviously. And I think they were, for a long part, they were a lot more expansive than Newcastle and really used the width of the pitch. But then in the second half, I thought Newcastle played really well and, and you know, I'm surprised. I, I thought there was a point at which they might come back. You know, it, got, it finished 28-12, but I think there was two or three late tries for the Roosters. It could have been, you know, it was a bit more close perhaps than that scoreline makes it look. I agree with that, Mike. And I've got to say, I feel a little bit sorry for the Knights. They're obviously the only team not to register a win yet. I think that they've been close, but just not close enough. So if I think about their first game against Parramatta, they lost by a field goal with 14 seconds to go. I don't think that Newcastle's position on the ladder necessarily reflects the football team that they are. Um, And following this loss, it's going to actually be very difficult for them to make finals, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean that's the it's the harsh reality, isn't it? Because it's yeah. when you have a five game five game comp and you lose your first three, you're pretty uh, you're going to struggle. I was really impressed with Gato Takura Arakura, the big prop for uh, the Knights. She she actually got put on report for I thought very harshly, very very harshly. I thought it was a great tackle. Which the way that she really one of the things that you see that's different, I find in women's footy to men's footy, is that you don't get the sort of the big G ups in the same way. Sometimes you know the the almost like the raw regression that often spills over in men's footy, and she was full of that. She was giving it giving it absolutely everything and thinking that she was going to change. So almost, you know, sometimes in, especially in lower level footy, you know, reserve grade, stuff like that, you think, well, losing, let's start a fight. And she, that seemed to be her mentality a little bit. Like, if you can't, you know, if, if, the way that prop forwards can sometimes change the momentum of a game is by getting absolutely stuck in. And she was, she was getting stuck in. I had a lot of respect for that. And like, not in a... I think, yeah, as I say, she got um, put on report, but I don't think she deserved it. I think she was being just playing really good hard for Yeah, it's interesting, Mike. So she was placed on report twice in the space of a minute, and I wonder what impact the first defence had on the decision to send her off in the second. But she was very entertaining to watch. The only other player that I really wanted to mention out of this game was Jess Surges and really hoping that she was okay. Um, she was subject to a pretty nasty-looking tackle and there was real worry for her ankle. You could see how much pain Jess was in and her dear friend Isabel Kelly just sitting next to her, helping her out through that really difficult moment. She ended up playing the rest of the game, which I found really surprising, but there's surely concern for her heading into this week's game against Parramatta. Yeah, that looked like a nasty... I, I, you know, I went and watched that back. As well. I thought they clashed heads and I was actually, when I watched it... It looked more like she'd hurt her head and she was going to get the big hook from the bunker for the concussion. And then she stayed down. I thought, well, she, what's going on here? Because I thought she was done. And then she came back and scored the try. And I have to say, I mean, that was sort of the fairy. It's one of them things in rugby league you get sometimes where it's like the fairy tale is that she scores the try, but then part of you's like, that person shouldn't be on the field. You know, they probably, probably should have been taken off. But, you know, they're hard, hard players and they'll go and, you know, they want to play as much as they can. Couldn't agree more, Mike. Can't get player like Jess Sergis off the field, but I'll be very, very closely watching injury reports this week to see what happens. 
Yeah, and we should move on. We'll move on to the Broncos-Dragons game. Now, this was the two unbeaten teams going up against each other. It was a great game. If you, hadn't, um, if you haven't seen it, you should have done I did see this game, Mike. So the Broncos were eventual winners, 22 points to 18, and are now probably, actually not probably, they're now guaranteed a finals berth and are probably very well placed to claim that minor premiership. We were talking about married couples before, Mike, so to continue that theme, I just wanted to say that there was a bit of family business in this game uh, because Brisbane winger Emily Bass and St George Illawarra halfback Rachel Pearson are actually cousins um, and they've never played in rival teams before and are very close cousins. So it was uh, entertaining to see the two of those players match up and it looks like Emily has got the bragging rights at least this time. She's, she's really impressed me whenever I've seen her, Emily Bass, because one of the things I've found, and maybe it's worth talking general NLW, because just because I'm on rather than the week to week, obviously a lot of these players I've only ever seen when they played for the Jillaroos. Mm. And so there's loads, of, you know, there's all played women's origin. And then there's some names you think, I've never heard of this person before. And then suddenly you're like, wow, this is, you know, they're amazing. So to me, if you, you know, if you ask me to list the Broncos players, you think of, you know, Taryn Aitken and Tamika Upton and Ali Brinshaw, um, Millie Boyle, people like that. And then there's loads. I mean, Hagiga Mosby played on the wing. She was great. Scored the try right at the end and kind of sealed it. I'd never heard of her before this season, you know? Or who was the girl Maddox, the fullback, who came on the, I don't know if she's ever even played at any level. She came on the number 14. She put in a pass for Bass's try. She actually got skinned by Shaley Bent for the Bronco, uh, for the Dragons try, which was, oh, can we talk about that? Oh, Mike, absolutely we can talk about it. Take it away. That was a, I mean, firstly the pass, there was a long pass from um, Paige McGregor, but Shaley Bent, who is a second roller, not a winger, it was like fucking Martin Fire, the in and out run, showing the inside, go on the outside, and uh, Maddox, the fullback for the Broncos, was just like, oh, I have no idea what to do here. And it's very rare you see a second row or a skinner fullback, but there you go, we got it. It was such a good try. And for me, it was one of the things that, that you still see in women's footy that's almost almost kind of gone out of the men's game, which is throw the ball wide early and trust your, you know, because they cover less ground across the field, you've got that spaces on the outside, it's always there. And players like, especially the Dragons, you've got Tegan Berry, he's just so fast. And she was almost like the threat that, they let Shaley Bent go because if she didn't go, she was going to pass it on to Tegan Berry. But um, yeah, who impressed you out there? I know obviously everyone in the Broncos is impressive all the time. But I have to say, Mike, that this was probably the best game of NRLW I've ever watched. It was extremely physical. The Dragons really took it to the Broncos and it was sort of the first time I've ever seen the Broncos a little bit rattled. Uh, it's an, it was an exciting contest and I think sets us up really, really well for the finals. What I think is interesting, though, is that the Dragons obviously beat Parramatta last week and went down to the Broncos by a very narrow margin this week. They've been missing Cassie Apps the last two weeks, and I wonder whether she might have had an impact on this game. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's interesting because they you look at who started. I think she started a prop in the first game. Mm. She started in the props. And you look at her and Elsie Albert were a pretty big combination Elsie Albert's got a brilliant try again. I just love it to pieces. Um, but Aliti Namutsi Sagano, the, um, who came in for Kezi Apps, she is a unit. She really takes up a carry. And, you know, Kezi Apps, you're going to look at You look at that prop, uh, sorry, that forward pack where you've got Shady Benton, who was brilliant, Holly Wheeler, who was brilliant, 
and then Keely Davis, who's the captain, you think, where does Keziat's play? Sounds like Jamie Sauer's going to have some selection headaches in the next couple of weeks. Um, Mike, one more stat attack before we move on, or we can keep talking about this game because it was epic. The Dragons scored 18 points. That is the most points ever scored against the Broncos during a game in NRLW history. That's, I mean, that's sort of a testament to not only how well the Dragons played, but how good the Broncos have been for so long. And do you know the thing with the Broncos as well? I look at them and I think Ali Brigginshaw has been quite quiet. Like, she's the best, arguably the best women's rugby player in the world. And she is, I wouldn't say she's been there standout in any way. I look at, especially early, in the early rounds, Millie Boyle was so good and Tamika Upton, mm-hmm. um, Chelsea Lennardoutsi as well. And you think, well, at some point, Ali Brigginshaw, she's like, no, you love a Simpsons reference. You know when they have the mob the Yakuza fight and there's the old Yakuza boss, he's not, he's just stood there with his arms crossed. Cool. That's basically Ali Brigginshaw. At some point, she's going to inject herself into the competition and do something amazing. And I fear that it's probably going to be the grand final. She'll just win it and walk off and be like, Mike Trump. Probably in two weeks when they play Parramatta. <laughs> well, yeah, that was, that's a lovely segue. Please, Mary Constantopoulos, talk to you about the Parramatta Reels. Ah. Oh. Okay, what do I say? The Parramatta Reels beat the Gold Coast Titans 24 points to 14. And if you've been listening to this podcast over the season, you'll know that I've had big raps on the fullbacks during this competition. And again, I think this game just demonstrated how much talent we have. So Ivania Polite was again outstanding for the Titans, I thought. She's just so strong, so powerful, and so fast. She looks like she's going to make a break every single time. But my player of the game, and it's actually a real shame that uh, Big T is in here to talk about her with me, is Bovetti Welsh. She set a new record for metres gained in an NRLW match. She made 260 metres in 70, meter, in 70 minutes, uh, and that eclipsed Millie Boyle's previous record of 223 metres. The Eels put out this great tweet that says, Bobo says go-go, and it's just been on replay in my head all day. Um, so Bovetti Welsh I thought was outstanding. Maddie Studden I thought controlled the game really well. Look, her goal-kicking left a little bit to be desired, but I'm convinced that she was doing it to make the game exciting. So Maddie ended up with a try, two try assists, and three line breaks. But I think what was probably most impressive for me about the Eels was that we had a couple of injuries leading into this game. We lost Rakia Horn and we also lost Nita Maynard, which meant that Emily Curtin was promoted into the starting side and we also saw Abby Church on the wing. Abby Church managed two tries, which was fantastic, and we also saw Emily Curtin uh, score on debut. Yeah, that, you know, that was the thing that got me from Paramount was they, the strike on both sides you know, mainly because Bovetti Welsh is so good that she can just come into the line and make something happen on both sides, but also because Maddie Studden is so good at finding her. That pass out the back, it's sort of the, to use the NRLM um, comparison, it's like the Walker to Mitchell to winger that South sometimes have on the left. Just And she almost scored, especially with Penatani out there, who's obviously a really good player as well. And it's it's almost as if the try that, Bovetti Welsh scored. It had to happen in round one. It probably would have been two passes more to the winger. Mm. But now because she just she has the idea of the the pass, that nobody tackled her and she walked straight through. So I mean, 
we're on to week three of the NRLW, and I don't think there's anything more we can say about Bo Wetty Wells because she's so good. I was super impressed by Maddie Sutton. Like, I think she had a lot of pressure on her, and in the first game, despite kicking the winning field goal, I'm not sure she actually played that well. And she definitely played well yesterday, and she showed like that. I think we, you know, I wrote previews before the tournament, and I said, well, they're going to have this spine of very Welsh into Maddie Sutton. Samama Talfa that's going to hold them together, that's kind of going to keep the new, you know, make that new team happen. And that yesterday we saw it. That's what it, that's what kind of came to fruition. And I, all the time I was thinking, am I, am I going to see Mary Kay like floating above Combank Stadium at some point? Honestly, Mike, that's exactly what was happening. I was just so delighted with this win and puts Parramatta in a strong position to play finals. Um, there are a couple of random other things that I just wanted to talk about. The first oh, we haven't talked about the Titans yet. The Titans are great. Well, go so on. I'm going to mention Parramatta one more and then I'm going to go straight on to the Titans. So, Teresa Ayton, uh, you might remember her from round one. She was actually the player that had like a massive shiner uh, after yeah. the head clash. It looked really, really ugly. Yesterday, she actually went back onto the field after f- passing an HIA um, and had this really nasty head clash and she had a really badly cut lip. So Teresa's really been in the wars and it's just an epic woman who shows just how strong and fierce women can be on the field. So there was that. Uh, on to the Gold Coast Titans. I just want to shout out to Steph Hancock who scored her first NRLW try against the Eels. At the ripe old age of 40, it was Steph's birthday last week, so I think that's a pretty good way to celebrate. And then, Mike, we have to talk about that incident just before halftime, which was just really unlucky. And I think for so many people, it didn't leave a bad taste. It was just a really unfortunate incident where the siren went off early and the Titans kicked the ball out on the full because they thought it was halftime and they were penalised as a result of that. Um, Just a really unfortunate incident. And if it had happened against Parramatta, I would have been filthy. Yeah, you play to the whistle, except when the whistle is wrong. Yeah, it's correct. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, um, I have no idea what happened. It was so confusing. <laughs> it was so confusing. And you think, it's one of them where if it's the referee, she has to be like, well, you kicked the ball out and it wasn't the end, so there you go. But on the other hand, you know, if it happened in, if it happened and it wasn't on TV, she probably would have gone, look, this thing has just happened. Is she, do you mind going back? And Paramount would have said, sure. Well, that's my understanding, Mike, actually, that the word from the Parramatta bench sideline coaching staff was, we're happy for this to happen again. But I'm not sure how strict the rules are and whether a situation... No, you have to play. If it it was done in error, they've got to play on, as far as I understand it. You know, if the siren goes up, then it's not... the The referee stops the contest, right? And the referee didn't stop it just because the siren went off. So I think to the letter of the law, there's nothing much they can do. It's one of them, like, in soccer, they kick the ball back, you know? It's unfortunate. I also feel for Casey Badger, who was the official during that game, because I think you're right, Mike. What's sort of done is done, unfortunately. I mean, you wouldn't say that if it happened to Parra, but... Oh, I'd be fuming. I'd be fuming, just like in the NRLM, when Mitch Moses was wasting time with that final conversion. I was loving every minute of it, but if it had happened against Parramatta, I would have been yelling, throwing things, abuse. Um, yeah, you get the picture. You're, uh, I don't know if you're aware of the English phrase shithousing, but he was shithousing. Oh, he sure was. He sure was. 
So I think we should talk a little bit. For me, the uh, nominative determinism is Destiny Brill. She was the hmm. probably the standout for the Titans. Now, with the caveat that Ivania Polite is brilliant and is always brilliant. Every game I've ever seen her play, she's been brilliant. But she, um, Destiny Brill, she was brilliant in Origin last year for yes. Queensland. She's only 19. Mm-hmm. She was 19. And I just think of like what I was doing when I was 19 and look at her. <laughs> but she was, she was so good. So, so good. And yeah, I mean, you were there. She looked like she was one of these who just decided that, you know, she's going to take take it into her own hands. She seems to have her hands on the ball every second every second pass. She was almost passing it to herself at times. She was great, Mike, and I remember watching her in State of Origin last year and thinking, where has this woman come from? She's actually got a rugby union background, so I'm really thrilled she's now playing rugby league. And just the star, like, so impressive and so hard to contain. And, I mean, we, we've talked about the game a lot, and I... Not to labour the point, but I'm interested to know is is a lifelong. I'm going to say long suffering because is there another type of Parramatta fan? Suffering as a lifelong Parramatta fan. How important is it to see? You know, we we talk about the NRLW a lot as being you know what you can you can't be what you can't see, right? And I saw on Instagram afterwards, um, Siama Talfa putting stuff up with her little cousin who was at the game, one of her relatives who was at the game. who was a wee girl. You know, she, I think she got her on the pitch actually afterwards. And that, for people who are Parramatta fans like yourself, to have that continuity when you go past that stadium, you think, you know what, we can play there. I feel like it doesn't, I mean, we talk about it a lot, I suppose, on this podcast. But is it worth going into your feelings about just having that, you know, the, the colours and having the paradise outside and all that sort of stuff and what it means? The club just feels whole now, Mike. Do you know what I mean? It, it's not like it didn't feel whole before. But adding a women's team has just added a whole new dimension. And to think that now we are a club that young boys and young girls can aspire to represent is really special. And you touched on it. Growing up, my heroes were Clinton Shavovsky and Dean Pay and Jimmy Dimmick. I never thought that girls played rugby league. I never thought to ask the question. But fortunately, we live in a world where little boys and girls won't have to ask those questions again. Uh, the club just feels whole and I can't express just how proud I am watching these women, particularly considering that they're not only juggling their footy, but they're juggling it alongside careers and caring responsibilities and families. I'm just in awe of them every week and uh, they just bring me so much joy. Yeah, and I, you know, I, my whole FC women, less successful. We got beat 72-0 at the weekend, but the idea that I think what Parramatta have done, and um, you see it back home as well. Rhinos have done it. I was listening to, you know, an all-male group of men is Rhinos last week, and they went on a long discussion about how important the women's team was. And I feel like if you ask the average Parramatta fan, that's something that they would understand now as well, in a way that, for example, as a whole FC support, our women's team are very much can still considered a little bit of an afterthought and we don't do enough to put them forward. So one of the things that I think is so important is getting the buy-in from the high level at the club, you know, to get to get the average punter by putting it out on social media and they've got this huge reach. And I think Parramatta have been one of the best 
and doing that. And maybe I'm biased because I see everything you share on Twitter, which is <laughs> I see everything Parramatta ever does. I'm probably biased myself, Mark, but I think Parramatta have done a really exceptional job on social media. If it's NRLW, I pretty much share it, but some of the content coming out has been great. Even if I think about, so they did like a hype video leading into the game on the weekend, and it started with the NRL M team and that loss to Penrith in round two of the finals last year. And then, you know, we saw some footage of the men training and then the women came in too. It's two teams, one club, and that mentality just seems to be shining through. I may have watched that hype video like 50 times. If they've had 51 views, 50 of those are mine. Do you know, it is true because the, when you see the teams who are most successful, you know, I think of what St. Helens do in the UK or what Leeds have done in the past. And as in my old, my old life, I used to work for Bradford Bulls, you know, who had the, at the time the most successful women's team. And they really centered it into the club culture. Right. And it's something that, that, send, that makes, you know, it's a virtuous circle. Um, I'm conscious that we could go to about the Paramount Reels all day because that's, you know, just we're getting like half an hour out of the 24-7 and gushing about the Paramount Reels. It is the life of Mary Constantopoulos. Um, we should throw forwards. We are moving to Queensland this weekend, so I will not be able to attend. But um, what are you most excited about? Obviously, Paramount, you're up against Brisbane, right? So that's going to be the big not test. Not quite, Mike. I think you're one week ahead of yourself. So we've got a split round this weekend. So the Broncos will play the Titans, actually. Titans, yeah. Going to be the Queensland Derby and very exciting. I'm going to say that I feel like it's getting to the point where it's a must-win game for the Titans if they still want to fight for finals footy. Then we'll see the Dragons play the Knights at McDonald Jones Stadium. And I know I was talking about must-win for the Titans, but this really is must-win for the Knights. If they don't win this game, they're absolutely no chance of playing finals. And then the final game is uh, Eels versus Roosters. And we were talking about the impact of Corbin Baxter. I think that's actually going to be a really, really good matchup. Yeah, do you know what I've done? I've actually got it in front of me and I clicked one week too far and didn't realize. You got too too far ahead of yourself, Mike. You were too excited. (laughs) Yeah, no, but I tell you what, that Knights game, the Knights against the Dragons, they're going to have, they play the West Tigers afterwards in the NRL men's so they're going to have a big crowd I think a lot of people you were in Newcastle for the first round it looked like a lot of people turned out to watch the Knights women and I think with the the double header aspect they're going to get a really big backing from the home support and Newcastle for all these things so yeah I've never been there especially after the night I was going to say especially after the Knights um you know, win in the NRL men which was for some a little bit of a shock so no doubt there'll be a big crowd in Newcastle yeah, and I think it's interesting for the, from an Eels perspective, I feel like we talk about the Eels all day, but, you know, beating the Knights, the Knights had been, that was their first ever game. They beat the Titans, who were also news. And if they knock off the Roosters now, got that Serge Kelly, Cobb and Baxter combination, that's a real statement win, and you suddenly consider them for uh, losing in the final and making you cry. Yeah, perhaps. So it's an important game. So let's see how we go. Okay, great. We have been on for a long time, but do you want some women's Challenge Cup action? Yeah, go on, Mike. I cannot let this pass as, you know, resident accent on this podcast. Um, It was the first round of the Women's Challenge Cup, which was broadcast on the BBC on the red red button, which is sort of the, I don't know what you call it here, but, you know, on the BBC, St. Helens beat Barrett. 
and Leeds beat Huddersfield. So the big news there really is that your favourite English player, Amy Hardcastle. Yes. Four tries for Saints. She's a superstar. And um, Georgia Roach, who is one of the best. She won the, she was, I think she won the, our version of the Dali. The woman of steel. At one point, she was rated as one of the best young sports people, period, in our sort of our sports, sports personality of the year awards in the UK. So she just made a big move from Passover to Leeds. So she made her debut for Leeds as a double header before the Leeds, uh, Leeds against Huddersfield and then Huddersfield against Cass in the Super League men's. So good start to them. Obviously, very early days. The, the Challenge Cup's been run like a group stage now. So it's a little bit. Um, you know, there was a couple of one-sided results because you're getting players from across the team, sorry, from across the two divisions play up against each other. As mentioned, my whole FC got beat 72 0 We won well on it. Um, by Lee Miners Rangers, who I hated playing against as a team, as a child as well. Um, but yeah, so good to see women's women's Triple League is up and running for the Super League season as well, or the you know the British Triple League season. And it's going to be huge, obviously, with a home World Cup at the end of it. We've seen what the NRLW which is going to provide the bulk of the players, obviously for Australia, New Zealand, Cook Islands, and even two PNG players, Therese Aiton and Elsie Albert. So now we're getting a chance to see the players who are going to play for Wales, who are going to play for, um, especially for England. So good news at Saints as well, because a lot of, they're going to provide a lot of the players. So, yep, can't resist, has to, men- has to be mentioned. I haven't actually seen the highlights yet, because the Rugby League in England doesn't publish highlights sometimes. But hopefully they will come up at some point and I'll get to watch it. Can't wait, Mike. Oh, 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 no, go on. You keep going. I'm done. <laughs> no, no, no. I, thought, I, was like, I was like, somebody's supposed to go, well, sorry. Anyways, I'm the host. Go on, finish. Last, last word for uh, the Paramount Reels? No. Oh, nothing further to say, Mike, other than I'm kind of getting sad because the competition's almost over. So if you're enjoying the NRLW, keep enjoying it because we've only got it for a couple more weeks. But then don't we get, don't we then get the uh, Harvey, Harvey Norm's Women's Premiership afterwards? We, we do, we do, and we get the Queensland competition as well. Queensland but in terms of all our fantastic players coming together and representing club colours, um, I don't think it gets better than the NRLW. So the women's women's content will keep on coming, but, um, yeah, I'm just going to miss the NRLW a little bit, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Big T, he gets to challenge the Tigers back for that one, right? Mm-hmm. There you go. What a way to end it. Sorry, Big T. Uh, I'd like just put on record again how much I enjoyed the game on Saturday lunchtime I can't wait to go to my next one which I haven't checked when it's going to be but it's going to be soon so I think it depends on finals actually I think some of the finals will be done in Sydney I'm going to check on my round five from Cogra Oval Dragons Against Roosters I think that's going to be me there you go brilliant okay Mary thanks so much you'll be back next week probably with Big T I'll never get this job again thanks Mike you're welcome back anytime